So, uh, we've been doing this series about uh, asking for a friend. You know, we ask, the, sometimes we, I, you see these posts on, on online or we, I've had people do this with me even personally uh, as a pastor. Yeah, a pastor, da 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 But I'm asking for a friend. It's not my problem, you see. It's somebody else's problem. Now, if you ever do that to me, I'm going to tell you something. What's going on in my head is, wow, that's a big problem you've got right there. Because <laughs> you're not going to fool me. Okay? Uh, I want to talk to you this morning about probably one of the worst pieces of advice I ever received. Now, perhaps it's because of my personality. Uh, and, and I know the person who gave me this advice... Uh, and shared this uh, uh, little tidbit of information with me, uh, was trying to be inspirational, right? But here it is. Uh, it's, a man, it's a quote from a man named William Johnson. He, he says, if it is to be, it is up to me. Uh, that's, that's, it, that sounds so inspiring and, and so American, really. Uh, you know, like, it's, it's the kind of uh, take care of yourself, do it for yourself, independent, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps kind of thinking that's made our nation what it is today. If it is to be, it is up to me. Uh, there's a great deal of truth in that statement. Uh, if I get out of, the, out of bed in the morning, it is up to me. Uh, if, if I dress or stay in my pajamas to go to Walmart, it is <laughs> up to me. Uh, unfortunately, however, we can take it too far. And there are an awful lot of things that are really out of our control, whether we would want to admit it or not. Uh, it is up to me to get out of bed if I did not come down with some kind of an illness during the night. It is up to me to get dressed if the world didn't come to an end while I was asleep. Uh, human beings like you and I cling to the idea that we can control stuff. And we're not just stuff, everything. We have this thing, we, if, it is up to, if it is to be, it is up to me. I can control it. I can make things happen. And we can get downright nasty trying to do it. You could say, and I think you would be right if you did, you could say that we worship the concept of control, of the desire to control events and people. It, it's part of our desire to to be safe and secure. And we, if we just make these things happen and make people do, then we'll be safe, we'll be secure. And so we worship this. We drive for this. We do anything and everything we can to try to control. But then it's inevitable, folks. We bump into something we cannot control. Sometimes it's a two-year-old or a three-year-old. 
or a 22-year-old, <laughs> or an 82-year-old, right? Because you can't make people do what you think they need to do. Just ask every governor of every state who's told people you better wear a mask. Yeah. <laughs> Some people say, yeah, that makes sense. Other people go, you can't tell me what to do. I'm an American. We bump into stuff we cannot control and we start to feel inadequate, weak. We don't like feeling weak. We don't like feeling inadequate. We wonder what's wrong with us. How, why, why can't we make people do this? Why can't I control the events around me? Why can't I make things turn out the way I want them to turn out? Why are we so weak? Why did we lose control? So here's the question of the week. What can we do when we feel inadequate? By the way, I'm asking for a friend. In other words, why can't we control the outcome of things? So, this morning we're going to be in Hebrews oh look at there I am right there Hebrews chapter 13 toward the end of the book not quite the very end but almost the very end the last chapter chapter 13 verses 20 to 21 this is a this is a prayer of blessing it is also a, a doxology a little song of praise that uh, the author of Hebrews uses to close out uh, most of his thoughts. And he starts by saying, may the God of peace, hang on to that word because we're going to come back to it, the God of peace, who by the blood of the etern eternal covenant brought back from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus Christ, equip you with every good thing to do his will, But I'm lost. Working in us. He's equipping us to do every, with every good thing to do his will. Working in us what is pleasing before him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever. Amen. So, peace. Told you we we're going to come back to that. This is a, a book, a letter some say it's just like a big sermon, a sermon, an address to Hebrew people or people who were well acquainted with Jewish people and Jewish thought. And so when the author talks about the God of peace, he, many of the people who he was talking to would think automatically the God of Shalom. Shalom. You may have heard that word before. It means peace, but it means a whole lot more than that. It means harmony, health, wholeness, safety, completeness, reconciliation, real wealth. It is complete well-being. It is well-being in every area of our lives, physical, mental, emotional, social, and spiritual, complete wellness. 
and well-being. And that well-being flows out of our relationships being right. Our relationship with God, first. Our relationship with others. And our relationship with ourselves. That's where this peace comes from. And, well, actually, the peace comes from God. Because He's the God of Shalom. He's the God of complete wholeness and wellness. He's the God who makes us right with Him, with ourselves, and with each other. He is the God of hope. You also looked at that, I wanted us to look at that word equip, because this is the God of peace who brought Jesus up from the dead. He also is the God who equips us. What in the world does that mean? Glad you asked. Because equipping means to strengthen, to complete, to perfect, to, to make us what we ought to be. You, many of us remember a story about Jesus walking along the, the, beside the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers. Uh, the first, well, he saw two pairs of brothers. The first two were Simon and Andrew. They were fishing, and he said to them, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Some of us learned a little song for that. I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men. Now you're done, because that, that's all the torture anybody can take. At once, it says, they left their, their nets. And then Jesus, so they're following him. Simon and Andrew, Peter and Andrew, are following Jesus. And they come along. Uh, he sees two other brothers, James and his brother John. And they were in their boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Same words in the original language. Uh, when, when the authors wrote this, preparing, equipping they were getting their nets ready. So Peter and Andrew had already gotten their nets ready and were fishing. James and John, along with Dad Zebedee, were trying to catch up, getting their nets ready. And Jesus called them, and they immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, just as a sidelight, I have always wondered, what did their father think? boys I know what my father thought well my, my father would have said something like the fishing needs to be done yesterday if not sooner where are you going you know like Jesus said you know in, oh I don't know that's just just a sideline that's a free thought. Just something to think about. What, what, did, what did their families think? You know, they all had families. And they just left their jobs. But they were preparing their nets. Sometimes preparing us or equipping us involves mending and repairing. We're broken. We are born and raised in a broken world by broken people and live with broken people and we're broken. Every single one of us is broken. Some of us are more aware of it than others. For some of us, it's more obvious than others. 
but we're all broken and so bending and repairing us is part of that but who does the equipping and the preparing it's God God equips us through Jesus the author of Hebrews points our attention to Jesus twice in this short little prayer of blessing or, or song of praise is Jesus works here's the crazy thing well it's not well it is crazy to me I, I'm efficient I like to be efficient I don't like to do anything more than I have to now some people think that's lazy but that's not lazy that's just why waste the energy doing something you don't need to right you know if we're talking about work, it, it may sound lazy, but if we're talking about paying our neighbor's bills, how many of us are going to sign up to go, hey, I got extra money, I'm just going to pay my neighbor's bills. Because, hey, I want to. I don't, but if, if you want to do that, <laughs> I, I can give you a list of people who'd like to be on the end, receiving end of that, okay? And I'm not on it. I'll just tell you, I'm not on it. Connie is, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jesus, however, doesn't do what's efficient. He equips us through other people. He prepares us. He brings mending and repair to us so that the Holy Spirit can touch others through us, but He does it through people. Paul said in, in Ephesians, uh, his letter to the church in Ephesus, Jesus gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Just let me help you understand this. He, he gives people to us to equip us to do the ministry, to serve people. If you're an apostle, if, if you're an apostle, you start new things in new places to reach new people. If you're a prophet, a prophet, you declare what God, who God is and what He is doing. If you're an evangelist, you help others share the good news about Jesus effectively and powerfully. If you're a pastor, you guide and nurture God's people until they can guide and nurture other people as well. If you're a teacher, you explain the principles of Jesus' instructions so others understand them and put them into practice. But whatever place of service Jesus assigns to you, whether it's apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, or some other saint, we all serve others. Our focus needs to be on the people he wants to transform and change prepare, equip, mend, repair, uh, and, and, and use to build his kingdom. He wants to bring them into his kingdom. Jesus equips us with all that we need to do his will. 
And he uses other people to do it. See, that's not very efficient. Yeah, I learned a long time ago, it's a whole lot easier to wash a sink full of dishes by yourself than it is to try to get your kids to do it. Especially when they move out. <laughs> Will you come back and wash dishes? Are you crazy? <laughs> right, so. Uh, but Jesus says, I'm going to equip you. But then he brings somebody into our lives to do it. So what keeps us? Because I'm sure it's not Jesus. Jesus isn't stingy. You know, what keeps us from receiving the freedom from the, our feelings of inadequacy? Uh, what, why, aren't we, why don't we feel equipped, ready, prepared to do what he asks us to do? Receiving God's equipping requires us to surrender and depend on Jesus and the people he chooses to use to equip us. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, Jesus said, if it is to be, it is up to me to depend on him to work in and through me. If you're equipped with every good thing that you need to please him, it is up to you to humbly receive the Spirit's work through each other. So here's the sermon in a sentence. Did I lose it? No, there it is. Wow. If it is to be, it is up to me to depend on him to work in and through me. So how do we do that? How can we cast down this idol of control and, and the idols of safety and security and, and wanting to be in charge and in control. How can we surrender our lives to Jesus? I mean, it's easy for, to, for somebody to say it. Uh, but how do we do that? What do we need to do to receive his equipping through other people? Go to the cross. Again, you you may be thinking. Now, I I just need to, to to pause for a moment to to make sure everybody knows. I'm talking to people who've been following Jesus, who've made a commitment to Him. Uh, if somebody's not made a, a commitment to Jesus, what I'm talking about. I mean, you may have control issues, but that's not what we're. You know, that's we're talking about something different here. Uh, when somebody who's a follower of Jesus uh, is still hanging on to that desire and worship of control, then, then they need to go to the cross. We need to go to the cross. At the cross, we will be reminded again, it's at the cross where Jesus bled, and it's at the cross where our sovereign died for us. It, it is at the cross where we are reminded that Jesus sacrificed his life for us. At the cross is where we, we first begin to understand 
how much he really loves us and simultaneously realize how unlovable we really are. Now, those of us who have been following Jesus for any length of time are, could be thinking, yeah, I did that. Uh, this is what I'm saying to you. We all need to keep doing it. His love is beyond measure and understanding. It is not beyond experience. And the longer we stand at the cross and gaze on what he's done for us and think about how much he loves us, the longer we do that, the more of it we begin to experience. At the cross, Jesus took my burden of guilt and shame and he keeps taking my guilt and shame. At the cross, he sets me free to love like he loves. Isaac Watts was a hymn writer from a long time ago, a little over 300 years. He's written some hymns that you, you probably know. There, there's one of them he wrote, it's, uh, uh, the, it's the verses to a, a a, little, a hymn called At the Cross. And when he thought about standing at the cross, he wrote these, these words. But drops of grief, tears, but drops of grief can never repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. It's all that I can do. So here's the deal. Jesus is calling us to give ourselves away, to, to surrender ourselves, to, to say, Jesus, I give myself to you because you love me as no one else could ever love me. And Jesus, I give myself to others because you love them like no one else can do. What can we do when we feel inadequate? We go to the cross. And remember that it's not about me. It's not about what I can accomplish. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about you. It's about the people that Jesus loves the same way he loves you that's why we need to stay at the cross to remember there is no high spot here there's no special people here everybody is loved exactly the same you can't get more of it and you can't lose it it's the same he loves us it's not about your adequacy. It's about Jesus equipping you to do everything and anything he asks you to do for others, to do what pleases him. He equips you with everything you need, and he works in you to do what pleases him. We're not adequate in ourselves. 
We read these verses just a few minutes ago. We're not adequate in ourselves to consider anything as if it were coming from ourselves. But our adequacy is from God. So here's a question that those of us who are following Jesus need to answer. Have we come to the point where we long for more in our relationship with Jesus? More than just a fire insurance policy. What do you mean by that? Okay, here's the real plain version. More than just a get out of hell free card. Are we to the place where we want something more than knowing that someday by and by we're not going to go there, but we're going to go there to be with Him. If we do, if we get to that point, then all of a sudden we're going to start feeling inadequate because there are things that He's going to ask us to do that we can't do. How do you know that, Pastor? Pastor? Well, one, he said so. And, and two, then he described the things he wants us to do. Like, you will do things, even greater things, than what I've been doing. And you know how I know when we're trying to be, uh, trying to cover up our inadequacy with regard to that? We start explaining what he really didn't mean what he said. Because, you know, look what he did. He healed blind people and deaf people and lepers and raised people from the dead. And, you know, we know we can't do that. So obviously he meant something else. I'm really simple when it comes to reading the Bible, folks. When it's a statement like this, and Jesus says something, and it's not like it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle because that you know that's pretty obvious that he's using a word picture. A this is not a word picture. This is not a parable. He's just being plain, straightforward. And I believe he says what he means, and he means what he says. And if I'm not living up to it, then I need to find out what do you need to do in me. See, our church, our congregation, and nearly, if, if you want to be comforted by this thought, nearly every other congregation in the United States and in Canada and the world that is kind of cool, um, we, we all have the same problem. All kinds of people flock to follow Jesus. Not so much our churches. Not so much our congregation. That should keep us up at night. But my question is, why would they want to come here? If we're not doing the kinds of stuff Jesus did, everything else that we're doing, they can get anywhere else and they can actually get it better. Well, we sing songs. 
You know what? They can hear songs on the radio for free without leaving their bed. They can turn on their their iPod or their phone or their the music. It would be professional and perfect because they would have done like 600 takes and the producer would have worked it over and all that kind of stuff. They want good music, they can get it for free without leaving bed. Well, we have friendship and fellowship. They can get that at a bar. Along with the buds. No, I don't mean a haircut, that's another place. Uh, right? So. What do we have to offer that no one else has to offer? It's Jesus transforming people through us. And somehow we've got to get to the place where we beg for it. Instead of just going, well, you know, it's, it's not that important as long as we're happy, as long as we're comfortable. Are you tired of bowing at the idol of idols of comfort and security and the desire to control stuff? I just want you, if you are, I want to invite you to join me in declaring our freedom from control. And just saying, Lord, I really need you. It's not just a theory. It's just not a nice idea. I know that I know that I know that I am absolutely powerless without you. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. Take us to the cross. Remind us of Jesus' love and compassion. Remind us of his overflowing grace and unending mercy. At your cross, Jesus, we surrender our lives to you and give ourselves to you. the cross on holy ground Jesus we're overwhelmed by your love and we willingly give our days our hours our minutes our seconds to share your love with people who haven't experienced it yet and desperately need it we owe all that we have and are to you, King Jesus. You could have left us alone. But you didn't. So mend us and repair us where we're broken. Heal us and restore us where we're unhealthy. Use us to help each other and to help the people around us. Equip us to do everything that pleases you. Work in us to accomplish all you've planned for us. 
as members of your kingdom family. God, give us an undeniable burden and passion to be so full of your love that nothing stops us from sharing it. Amen. I want to thank you for uh, connecting with us, uh, particularly if you're online, if you are... Uh, uh, you, you can join the Champions of Hope uh, Facebook group page, uh, Facebook page uh, group be using the link that's in the description uh, of this uh, video. Uh, you are going to receive unique content and opportunities to connect with others in that uh, group. Jesus sends us, folks. Jesus sends us as the Father sent him to seek and to save his missing children. We are sent. We need to go in the power and the love of the Holy Spirit. When we go in His love and in His power, we will transform grudges into grace. We will transform apathy into affection. We will transform despair into determination. We'll change the world one life at a time when we go in His love and power. You are sent. Go with Jesus.